Good morning, everyone. There are no surprises in the service this morning at all. I just want to um, emphasize that next Sunday will be Reformation Sunday. The following Sunday will be All Saints Day, All Saints Sunday, and on All Saints, remember those who have passed. So I want to encourage you to bring photographs or memorabilia of folks that you would like to remember. I'll be part of our remembering of saints. Next Sunday is Reformation Day. If you have it, wear something orange. Okay? For fun. Uh, orange is the color of Reformation Day for our Dutch. Those of us are Dutch. So, whatever you do, do not wear green next Sunday. <clears throat> uh, that will not go down well with the Dutch. It's a busy time of year. Uh, we're beginning to get ready for Thanksgiving season. There's a, a great deal of need. The cystic fibrosis event is scheduled for November 19th. I want to encourage you to uh, come out for that. Lauren's work is working hard to make it a special event, and I'd like us to be able to support her in that. And the interfaith Thanksgiving service is another thing that I'd like us. I don't think we've ever made a real push for that. Uh, but I think it'll be something fun this year that I'd like us. Okay, let's, uh, let's put our hearts and minds uh, to the task of worship, and please join me in prayer. Almighty God, you pour out your spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us from cold hearts and wandering thoughts, steady minds and burning. We may worship you in spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Let's stand and share a sign of peace with each other. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you in peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Through all generations, God has been our dwelling place. Before the earth and the world were created, from everlasting everlasting. Come, let us worship the Lord.
If the Lord kept a tally of our misdeeds and mistakes, seriously, who among us could stand? But God waits in mercy to eagerly forgive us, ready to wash us anew in God's gracious mercy. Let us pray. Help, God. The bottom has fallen out of my life. Master, hear my cry for help. Listen hard. Open your ears. Listen to my cries for mercy. If you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand it? As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit by your worship. I pray to you, O God, my life a prayer. Wait for what you'll say and do. My life's on the line before you. Waiting and watching till morning. We wait and watch for you, God. God's arrival comes love. And with God's arrival comes generous. No doubt about it. God will redeem us all. Buy back each of us from captivity. the good news. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor. So, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So let us live. As we come to the word of God, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. Lord God, help us to know your ways. Teach us your paths. Lead us in your truth and teach us, for you are the God of our salvation. For you we wait all day long. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The first lesson today comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. This passage is found in the midst of all of the 400 laws of the Old Testament and is called the Law of Love by the Apostle Paul. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, or defer to the great. With justice you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. 
You shall not hate in your heart anyone of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second lesson comes from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, and it is Jesus' commentary on the Leviticus passage. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I had to give this sermon a title, it would be Gotcha. Jesus is very good at this. He does it over and over and over again in the New Testament. But this time, according to the text anyway, he shuts them up for good. How does he do that? One of the things we have to realize is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Pharisees believed in resurrection, and Jesus had dealt with the whole resurrection question earlier on his ministry. Now the Sadducees were having their heyday. And the Sadducees believed very strongly in the obedience to the law. If you ask any good Jew, what is Jewish piety all about? How do I live the best life as a Jew? He or she will tell you, you must obey every law. And there are over 400 and some laws in the Old Testament that are specific and must be obeyed. Depending on which group of Jewish people you are working with or talking to, um, obedience to those laws differs. But the consciousness is, obeying the laws is the measure of my piety. So what does Jesus do with these Sadducees who come to him with this question? Of all the laws in the, New, in the Old Testament, and all of the 400 and some laws, how many of them are, which one of them is the most important of all of them? Now, 
This is a trick question. Because in the mind of any good Jew at this point in history, none of the law is more important. They are all important. Every Sadducee, every Jew in this time and, and, and place in history believes that taking care of every single law is imperative to being obedient to God. So what does Jesus do? He takes that mentality of legal obedience and turns it inside out. He takes the idea of obedience in order to appease God, in order to satisfy God, in order to earn God's love or attention or blessing into love. Now, I never understood this passage as well as I do today until I had a conversation with some Jewish people in Venezuela. I was at an interfaith conference and I sat down at the luncheon table with Jewish rabbis, Islamic imams, priests of the Roman church, and there were a couple evangelicos, which were the Christian uh, Protestants in Venezuela. The rabbi that sat by my side during the conversation said, you know, the difference, the big difference between you Christians and we Jews is your emphasis on love. He said, for me, being a Jew, obedience is the measure of my spirituality. But for you people, it's love. What Jesus did in pointing out that both the tablets of the law, the first tablet, which is the first commandments, deal with loving God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. The second tablet, thou shalt not, part of the law, is all about loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus does something so radical by turning their ideas of obedience for, to God into love for God. And not only love for God, but actual love for your neighbor. This is radical thinking. This is definitely a twist of how one is to understand law in relationship to God and myself as a person. Now, obviously, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are going to discuss this. And what Jesus then does is something so very significant. He says to them, now I've got a question for you. I'd like someone to take the Pew Bible and turn to Psalm 110. Would you do that for me, please? Psalm 110. And if you'll simply stand where you are and read verse 1 nice and loud for us. This is the psalm Jesus is quoting. Now Jesus says to the Jewish leaders, Who is this Messiah? And of course, they're going to answer that the Messiah is the son of David. 
which means that it has to be someone of the lineage of David, preferably someone who is king. This is a tremendously politically charged question. Remember that these Jewish people are living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. The idea of anyone being king when the Roman emperor rules is a, an act of radical political upheaval. It is the idea that somehow or other, this Messiah, being a son of David, will rise up against the powers that be. Everyone's aware of this. This is in the consciousness of these listeners. And Jesus points out to them that in this verse in Psalm 110, David addresses the Messiah as Lord. A king would never dream of speaking to his son and calling his son Lord. Just not going to happen. This an understanding of lordship, you see, Jesus is now going to turn into and onto the Jews who are listening to him. If David calls him Lord, Jesus says, how can he be his son? Impossible. Never going to happen. So what has he just done? What has he just done to these Jewish leaders? He has not only pulled the carpet out from under them, but he has also exposed them to something they don't want to hear. And that is that the Messiah might be divine. You see, for a Jew, that would be heresy. In their minds, no human being can assume divinity. That's where you draw the line. That's why it is so difficult when we speak of Jesus as the Son of God and divine that people who are Jewish have problems with what we believe. Because that's the limit. That's the absolute maximum limit of where a Jewish person will go. No human being can be divine. And yet, what has Jesus done in this text but say to them the first commandment is to love the Lord your God but then what does he go on to say repeating the words right out of Leviticus the second commandment is just as important just as significant love your neighbor as yourself why is that because Jesus believes in social peace or harmony? No. Because what Jesus is already beginning to lay out, you see, is the concept that you and I already understand from the New Testament past. And that is that our neighbors are God to us. What Jesus has said is that the neighbor is the expression of God in our lives. 
every other person is God to us. How so? Jesus would go on to say, when you give to the least of these, you give to me. The intensification of valuing human life is that every one of us bears the mark and image of God. That's why you can't treat people badly. Or God will get you. And that is, of course, what Jesus is trying to say. I got you. I got you. If you understand the law, you'll understand who I am and what I'm all about. To love the Lord is to love each other. Bingo. Done. And that, you see, is why, as Christians, we seek to live in peace and harmony. It's why we serve each other. It's why we respect each other. It's why we value life. It's why we seek to always the best for others. The definition of biblical love is seeking the best for the other. It is how we understand what it means to be human. As we love our neighbors, as we love ourselves, help us to love you so deeply and so thoroughly that your spirit indwelling us and transforming us will be so complete that our love for ourselves actually becomes our love of you. Join me in your bulletin in the words of the Apostles' Creed as we confess our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. The flowers that grace the communion table today are given to the glory of God by Martha Palmer and are appropriately fall colors. We rejoice in being able to share of God's creation as we rejoice in being able to share the bounty God has given each and all of us, giving of tithes and gifts.
Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say I can see. It's what the Lord has done in me. Christ has set me free. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have given to us, what you have made us, for what you call us to be. May your spirit give us the grace to be thankful and to be stewards of all that we are given, the glory of him who is our Savior. Name we pray. I remember as a child, Lord, what it was like to go home to Grandma's house every Sunday. It was like going to somewhere that I knew I would be safe and accepted, that it would be a place of good food, being treated well. Going home is something has that kind of emotional content. Every time we come to you, sang about earlier this morning, because we belong to you. We are your sons, daughters, and our concerns and our lives 
are not only in your hands, but turn you and are all in your sovereign graciousness. And so nothing we're going to share with you today will surprise you, Lord, but it's our way of saying we share with you our, our prayers for those who are struggling with illness. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with Christine, her surgery. We pray for Teresa and Sandy and Ben and Nick as they recover from their accident. We pray for the young mother who received good news about her breast cancer. We pray for both Tony as well as, with an I, as well as Tony with a Y, and ask, Lord, that you would remember them and comfort and console them. We pray for Erin as she goes into heart surgery and possibly in the future, and we ask that you be with her in her time of anxiety. We pray for Rolf and Ellen struggling with cancer. We pray for Aunt Alice, who at 94 suffered a stroke, and we ask that you be with her, healing her, sustaining her, and likewise sustaining her caregivers. There are obviously lots of folks unmentioned that are struggling with illness or medical problems or difficulties, Lord, and we are conscious, at least, of how you have answered our prayers in the past about medical issues. Glad to lay these people before you, your sons and daughters as well. We pray for Philip as he celebrates his birthday tomorrow. Give him a great day of celebration and a year ahead of opportunity and success. We pray for Jenna as she flies to California and ask that you would protect her as she flies. We pray for the Van Glan family as they enjoy the competition this afternoon, keep them safe, and not only during the competition, but as they travel. We want to also remember, Lord, Jamie with her struggle, her back, and Zach with the surgery coming up this week. We ask, Lord, that you would be with them and comfort and console them as well. We ask, Lord, that you'd be with Nick as he seeks his path and journey before you, seeking obediently and faithfully to find opportunity to work and to be a productive servant and steward of your gifts to him. We thank you for our congregation. We thank you for those of us who are gathered here and for those who could not be with us and ask, O oh Lord, that you would grant us grace and mercy to continue faithfully to serve you, serve our neighbors. We thank you, O oh Lord, for this time together with you every Sunday morning. It's a special moment, a special place, a special experience, but it, it is only the tip of the iceberg for us. Every day, in every moment and in every way, 
you are present to us. Your spirit lives in us. So we are grateful. I ask, O oh Lord, that we would be obedient, not only to your law, but to the love that is expressed. For we have been loved beyond measure by him who is our Savior. Of course, everyone is invited to the coffee hour after the service today. Um, it is a beautiful day. We'll probably even be able to open the door if you want to go into the garden. Uh, it's still very pretty and green, and the trees are beginning to turn, and it's, it's a lovely space. So uh, I want to in- invite anyone who's visiting with us to join us for that, uh, that time afterwards as well. I've gone over some of the announcements in your bulletin earlier. Um, are there any announcements? Martha. As we do so, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now until Christ returns in glory and then forever. And all of God's people said,